down your unders. Down your unders. Review and dissection of content from some of the sharpest minds in the game. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Art of War. Down Under. Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to this part 1 of episode 145. We may have recorded part 2 already in a really weird, bizarro world twist. Well, that's just how things lined up for myself. And my august gentleman of a guest here is the uh, captain for Team Victoria, my home state. We were lucky enough to just go to the ANZTC this past weekend, which is pretty much why we're doing this out of order. Usually it would have been the Curse Bracer and Codex, then the Curse Demon ones. But my good mate, uh, Dean Sinbeck from Blood for the Blood God, is uh, the Chaos Space Marine uh, uh, specialist as far as I'm concerned and so I had to wait until he was free welcome to the show mate how you doing yeah I'm doing fantastic thanks for having me on my absolute pleasure mate uh yeah tell us a little bit about yourself Dean why uh, why should people give it to, to Bob to to your lovely wares uh, okay so I guess probably when it comes to chaos space marines I'm one of the most obsessed players that you'll find good work um, very I've good work pretty much exclusively all the way through night so uh, I've obsessed on it really hard. I've got some pretty good results with them as well, so I've got something to back that up. But uh, it's definitely one of the codexes that I've gone through every little nook and cranny to try mm. to find any power that we can. So Exactly right. And you haven't abandoned them when they took a couple of hits, although you have been playing a bit of World Eaters because that is your you know, stock in trade. <laughs> Blog for the Blood God. Yes. You know, Cut the Betray is your logo, so you know, you gotta go Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> gotta go where the branding <laughs> takes you at times. But despite that, I mean you just played Black Legion to some pretty great success um, as our captain the weekend just gone. So, yeah, absolutely do have some uh, really good results to back it up. So we are doing the Chaos Space 3 Retrospective. This is a big, old, thick, juicy book with Legion rules for all of the Legions and then Bile and Red Corsairs as well. Uh, to that end, we're going to be doing things a little bit differently from our usual retrospective. Like, we're not going to go through uh, the Black Legion stratagems. What do you think, Dean? Oh, the Black Legion relics. What do you think, Dean? That kind of stuff. We're just going to do the whole Legion as a package, and I'll be leaning heavily on my good man, uh, Mr. Sinbeck, for the hot takes. Um, over and above that, uh, Art of Down Under is a two-part podcast, and right now we are into the retrospective lookbacks at this lovely ninth edition when it's all said and told. I think I've got two or three. I, th I've got, I think I've got uh, Votan, Guard, and World Leaders to do, and then I'm done with these codexes, and then hopefully, if there's still time, we'll do an episode or two uh, recapping and retrospectively looking back at the edition as a whole, but we do not quite know when this 10th edition will be dropping. If you want the part two of this podcast, you can jump over to Patreon, Art of War Down Under. That is the only place you can find the part two here, which Dina and I have already recorded. And the first part of that recording was us reviewing the Chaos Space Marine faction focus that came out for Wyman Community. We deep dove that and discussed it at length. But Dean, feel free to plug yourself. Where can they find you and what you do? Uh, so I've got a YouTube channel called Blog for the Blood God. And I uh, on there, I do tactics stuff. I do reviews. I do podcasts similar to this one. I do all kinds of different content, all focused around Chaos Space Marines and Chaos Demons a little bit and World Eaters increasingly as well. So if those factions are something that you're into, which I assume you are by the fact you clicked on this video, uh, then um, yeah, check out my channel and I've got a whole bunch of different content that I'm sure you'll be interested in. Fan-freaking-tastic. So jumping in to this Chaos Space Marine retrospective, where are they at right now, mate? Your first impressions, uh, sorry, Sorry, wrong way around, brother. What were your first impressions? What were your <laughs> first impressions? Impression. Yes, what were your first impressions of this codex? The very first time you had absorbed it cover to cover. 
So the first time I looked at it, I sort of viewed it as a bit of a side grade from their previous codex, which I mm. believe we were on this very channel discussing it when it did first come out. Correct. Because um, I was getting decent results with the Emperor's Children in the previous codex. Um, so, And all of my tricks that I was using to decent success there were all taken away from me, but were replaced mm. with some different ones. So I was like, it's a bit of a side grade. I think a lot of people thought the previous codex was really bad, but that's just because they didn't give it a proper look in. Um, yep. And then I think a lot of people had a similar approach to this codex when it first came out. They thought, you know, compared to some of the other stuff that was out and about at the time, they were like, yeah, it's just not that powerful. But again, it's a very deep book. There's so many combos in there that if you really do give it the time to pull it apart and, and tr test out all these different elements, it, uh, it turned out to be a really, really good book. Yeah, I kind of, I, I kind of agree. I feel like it was a little bit... Uh, lacking in the data sheets, like the inspiring data sheets. These are units that I really want to take and could get excited about. But the, like you said, the combos have always given a lot to the people who respect and like that and get that that part of the game gets them going. Because um, just look at the layers you can put upon them. And this was very, it was echoed in the previous book as well. Like you, you're talking about the Empress Children, the, the sheer layers you could lay upon the Noise Marine chassis, the Noise Marine data yeah. sheet was obscene. Absolutely obscene. Same for Possessed as well. Uh, yeah. Whereas in this one, it was very similar, but uh, built upon different metrics, you know. Uh, but when it first came out, I was a little worried it was hollow for the fact that I thought there was only certain metas where it could thrive, and most of those metas uh, involved it getting mileage out of its combat jank. Fights first, fights last, all the fight, fighting on death and bile and, and all the, the interactions therein. And I've been happy to been proven wrong that it is not just that one-trick pony. Uh, where are they at now, mate? I think we've, as a community, we've kind of refined the Chaos Space Marines down to a few key play styles. The one that I've gravitated to the hardest is the Black Legion Terminator Abaddon build. Yep. yep. Um, it's just because those Terminators, like, yes, it's almost a thousand points worth of investment in that one unit, mm -hmm. but that unit does so much that it really does pay for itself over time. And, um, Abaddon himself pays for himself almost every game. Yeah. So it's a heavy investment, but if it's one that you have the courage to make, you can be greatly rewarded for it. Well, it's it's very similar to where Tower at if they want to go all in on the crisis uh, bomb, yeah? Like you have the one crisis yeah. brick, you max out the drones, take the, take the requisite commanders and other supporting bits and pieces. Mm. You find yourself 1,000 points in the hole, but you get to a, get to a table and your opponent has 0% chance of killing that unit. That unit just, what I, I like to say, runs the table. It, it controls and... And, and dictates the game, dictates the board. Uh, so I think yeah. they're at a very Which is really position. interesting when you have a Black Legion versus Tower matchup. It's yeah, like, who, who really runs the table, mate? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Who really runs the table? <laughs> <laughs> who runs part of town? Anyway, uh, jumping into the detachment abilities, which is the first page we are going to start this review upon. And the only real relevant rule, unless Dean tells me otherwise on here, is the Slaves to Darkness rule, which is pretty much denoting who, which legions, which... Uh, whatever's can ally with who. And there's pretty much just, it's a very thematic rundown of, you know, corn with world leaders, Zinch with Thousand Suns, et cetera, et cetera. Is there any, any spice yet? Has this been a good rule for the Chaos Space Marine player base? It's, it's been fine. It's, it's somewhat confusingly written. And we mm. really noticed that when uh, Cogs of Vashtor came out and you realize that the way that those keywords interact has some weird implications for, yeah. like, for example, you can make things Emperor's Children keyword without making them an Emperor's Children Legion detachment, mm -hmm. which then means they gain the, the Slaneshi keyword, even though they can't take access to the... Like it was just... It became quite wheel unwieldy. 
Um, and, and I feel like they could have done a much better job of, of making that nice and clear. To, to, all they needed to do is be like, hey, <laughs> Empress Children, Slanesh. Slanesh model, Slanesh keywords, Slanesh everything. That's it. Yeah. Has to has to be the Slanesh model from the Slanesh line. From Yeah, you can almost key it to the model. Because what happened was we had Empress Children, which was ostensibly one of the more powerful ways to play upon release, being allied with Zinch Demons. And by the word of the law, you could do it. But my lord, do we know it was not intended. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that that that, that detachment like um, construction rules was mm. were a little bit janky, mm. but I mean they served their purpose, and for by and large, you know, it worked fine. Exactly right. All right, moving on, we're going to t- jump into the legions. The first of which is the Black Legion, which you yourself have said has been the best one all along. Give us the rundown here. What is good about this legion package? Because that's what we're going to talk about them as, as a single package. What is good about them? Yep. What is bad about them? And what are your what are your hot takes? Well, so like you said at the start, one of the areas where this codex was lacking is the data sheets, right? Mm. Um, so I think when it comes to selecting which legion is the best, I think we've got to look at the ones that are going to take our best data sheets and take them to the next level. Yep. So or which ones are going to have the most combos that are going to be able to take an average data sheet and make it particularly amazing. Or well-rounded, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. So it's like you can't... If there's something that just makes everything a little bit better, that's not mm. really going to cut it. I think you need to have something that's going to take one particular thing and make it god-tier. Yeah. Maybe that's just my play style coming through, but I feel that with the Chaos Space Rings, with their data sheets being as average as they were, they needed more than just a slight buff across the board to mm. get where they needed to be. Um, and as for Black Legion, I think they did that better than anybody else. So their ability to have Abaddon, who was one of our best data sheets, yep. um, and also healing Abaddon, and also giving advance and charge to Abaddon and fights on death, like all the different things that, that Black Legion exclusively can do with Abaddon yep. made him absolute next level. And, and also the Terminator Brick, which you'll notice is a pretty consistent theme throughout multiple different legions. They're mm-hmm. different versions of that Terminator Brick. All of them have pretty much the same durability buffs, but the Black Legion one, being able to get full hit um, and wound rerolls from Abaddon yeah. on those Terminators, yep. means that their shooting is actually terrifying and their combat is actually terrifying to the yep. point where, you know, there's just craziness going on there. Well, that's what exactly right. When... when the first time I got charged by the Terminator brick, I was like, uh, is that it? Because <laughs> it, it yeah. was like Empress Children. You're sure I was fighting last into it, but then I was like, it doesn't hurt me enough for, for me to care that I'm fighting last. I, whatever. Yeah. They're just lightning claws. Who cares? Um, I, of course, I was playing Deathwing Terminators at the time, so I really didn't give, a, give two craps. But the first time your Terminators charged me, I was like, well, golly gosh, that sucks. <laughs> let's, not, yeah, let's not let that happen very much. <laughs> not to mention that the uh, the Black Legion have the Veilbreaker plate, which is a relic that allows you to teleport those Terminators. Exactly right, yeah. So that means that you've now got... It, it opens up oh, so much power out of the Terminators because mm. it means you can Alpha Strike with them, but it also mean, which then means your opponent has to deploy with that in mind. Yep. But it also means if you choose not to Alpha Strike with them, you just you choose to just move up and use that reroll hits and wounds shooting from all of those mm. bolters. Now your opponent has to come to you, and then if you get in danger, you can teleport out. Yeah. So it really fixes the movement speed problem with the Terminators, mm-hmm. and then the damage output from the Terminators coming from Abaddon means that those two things combo together 
to make those terminators absolutely deadly on the tabletop. Yeah. And I mean, it, it does plenty to help a bunch of other units as well. Funnily enough, like Possessed get some really good mileage here also as soon as they get reals to win from Abaddon. Oh, so they, can they get reals to win from Abaddon? They can't, can they? Uh, no, because they're not core. No. But they still pop off pretty, pretty well. They're a medium, medium good unit of Black Legion. Maybe not as good as the Word Bearers or some others that we're going to talk about later. Yeah. But uh, what is the best thing about Black Legion? Like, what is the best single thing? It's the, a secondary, a wall of trade, a relic. What is the best one of the bunch? It has to be. It has to be Abaddon. Like his ability to be healed, his ability to yeah. that he hands out. It, it has to be Abaddon. And he gets. He has one regular wall of trade, and then he gets two from the Black Legion traits. Yeah, is that right? I get three. He gets three. Black, if, if you get, he's got three Warlord traits listed, so you spend the one CP, you get all three of them. Yep. Um, but one of them is um, tethered to the Black Legion, okay, which I believe right. is the reroll wounds. Uh, you pick a target at the start of the um, battle round, and you get mm-hmm. the, or at the start of the game, and you get reroll wounds against it if you're within three or uh, six inches of Abaddon. So, hell yeah. Yeah. Nice. All right. Moving down to uh, the Word Bearers up next. And of course, from, in my mind, Word Bearers had one of the best base traits, Legion traits, which was literally charge, was charged before the convention, reroll hits. Just, just reroll freaking hits. It was so very, very, very strong. For my mind, these guys have been one of the best medium performers, like kind of never a bad choice, but not always the best choice. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. One of the things they also had out of the gate that was really good was one of the better secondary options. That's true, and that's one yeah. of the areas where Space Marines really struggled at the start. They mm-hmm. still struggled a bit in Arcs of Omen. That a lot of their secondaries didn't quite get the love they needed. But uh, out of the gate, the biggest weakness was easily the secondaries. So mm. the uh, the sorry the word bearers had a really good secondary, which was played into their strengths quite well. Yeah, totally agree. And I think the word bearers are still not a bad choice, right? That fully yeah, rolls to hit. There's, there's, mm. there's a few interesting builds with the word bearers. A few different relics they can. Their possessed can do ungodly amounts of damage. Yeah, there's definitely a place for the uh, world word bearers in a competitive environment. I really like the malefic tome as well, where you just literally just get a, you know another power and get plus one to cast on. Yeah, every, it, re- it really helped even out a lot of the issues, um, especially when you're into a psychic psychic matchup. You just need to push through your debuffs. Uh, as for the word bearers, do you think they are a upper legion, middle legion, bottom legion? Uh, yeah, I'd say they're in the top echelon for sure. Like, I think. They probably, you know, if I was to tier list them, which is something that I never really got around to doing, what a coincidence! Solid B, B tier. We're probably doing that when we finish all the legions. Ha <laughs> ha! Jump in the gun. Uh, okay. uh, uh, all right, Night Lords is up next, and straight up, this is the one I wanted to be good, and holy crap, is it not? <laughs> uh, they had some. They had some interesting results early. They had. Uh, they won a couple of GTs early on. They had yeah. one really, really good trick that if you are able to pull it off is absolutely game changing. But once people learn what that trick is, that you can't do it to them anymore. So, okay. uh, and that was, they have a, they can deep strike something turn one. Mm-hmm. So you could take your terminators and you could deep strike them turn one, which was something that was unique to the night Lords. Yep. And then they also had a two CP strat that basically meant enemy infantry units can't fall back from you. Yes. So what you'd do is you'd deep strike down, you'd charge one thing, make sure that your pile-in tags another thing, uh, and you do that turn one using the classic trick with the Master of Possession stabbing mm. and resurrecting someone. Um, and then you'd, yeah, you'd tag something else and you'd force it so that that can't fall back. So now your opponent can't shoot those Terminators that are right in their front line from turn one. Yep. 
And then in your opponent's turn, you kill the thing that you tagged, and then you're free in your turn to go charge and do that again. And you can basically just rinse and repeat, and any any shooting-based army doesn't stand a chance. Yeah, I, I love that trick. And like you said, though, as soon as people know it's coming, it's it, like the Night Lords. If you don't know, yeah. if, if they don't know about their tricks, they're going to hurt you. They get, if they don't know they're coming, they're way more scary. As soon as they pop up, you're like, oh, you just you just regular dudes with some kinks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, overall, though, it's one of the lesser legions, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's one of the lesser ones, but not by much. You know, they've got a few interesting relics in there. There's a few interesting warlord traits. You know, I, I took them to uh, VTC and I only lost mm-hmm. one game with them, which was against knights. Nice. And like you said, that was just because the Terminators hit the knights and bounced. Uh, and that, that was actually the tipping point when I realized I need those rerolls from Black Legion. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. All right, next up is Iron Warriors. Now, I have been on the receiving end of some Iron Warriors, and I was pretty impressed. Like, generally been pretty impressed with the Legion, but it's never really caught fire. Why is that? Um, I think with the Iron Warriors, like, they do defensive better than anybody else. Hmm. Um, and they have some interesting offensive tricks, but I think the problem is is that, that all Legions can do defensive quite well. Yeah. Um, and I think that... If, if everybody can already do it pretty well, then you need to take whichever Legion tips the offensive up to a reasonable standard. And Iron Warriors just weren't really able to do that. So often they would end up, their opponent wouldn't kill you, but you wouldn't kill them. And because they have better secondaries than you, you just wouldn't win. Yeah. I feel like that's what sort of hampered the Iron Warriors a bit. And also they've got so many things that buff uh, vehicles. And I'm just sorry, none of the vehicle data sheets are worth are worth it really i mean you could yeah. I, I i did i loved and enjoyed and was right there for the triple brass corpse the the lord of skulls all those things i am right there for those but as soon as you get below those and those are memes they're like go first go you know get all you get get yeah. everything off and you're, you're good to go memes or you have the morlefine the the glorious yeah, the hell, only like, real the only real vehicle that people were looking at that was getting good results was obviously the lord discordant i'm always yeah. did that yeah. better than anybody else um, there's an interesting case to be made for their land raiders because their land raiders are T9 and you can yeah. make them neg one to be wounded. That's fair. That's which big. is just rude. So rude. Um, but it was basically, yeah, it was either the Lord Discordant, their decimators were pretty good, mm-hmm. um, but decimators are pretty good for everyone. So yeah. there wasn't as much uniqueness to the Iron Warriors that made them interesting. Not enough, mm. at least, for people to sort of get those good results with them. I agree. But, I mean, the baseline rules are just good. But, yeah, like you said, the, and like we said, the, the data slates just kind of let them down. If you had a better data slate to put their rules on, they, they would pop off yeah. really, really nicely. Uh, all right, next up is Alpha Legion. So, the, the <laughs> we're talking about meme lists. Well, you got a meme secondary, baby. Dude, uh, that's secondary. So much fun. I can't remember the name. I think it was it was either Radicalism or it might have been Rat Con, one, one of the Ballarat events. I remember when I we, reviewed, we reviewed the Codex and I challenged you to pull this off on somebody. Like, I'm like, yeah, and you I, cannot I, I do this. You cannot, tell, you cannot tell somebody about this and then do it to them. Was the, I think the gauntlet I threw at you. And you freaking did. Yeah. You're crazy. Crazy SMB. So it was actually first round. I went up against a, um, a Dark Angels player. Um, and I had the two big units of Warp Talons, which mm-hmm. could pre-game move 12 inches and then turn one, move a further 12 inches. So they're basically in your deployment zone, turn one, charging things. And basically with one of them, I yeah. just charged, tagged all of his front line. And 
warp talents prevent people from being able to fall back. So I basically locked him in his yep. own deployment zone. And then that second unit of warp talents just went around subverting objectives. And I flipped both of the objectives that were near his deployment zone. I think we were playing the scouring. Yeah. So it was there was the two right next to his deployment zone. And I flipped both of them. So the only way that he could get points was to fight my Terminator unit Disgusting. over the central objective. And he's just like, this is ridiculous. He scored no primary all game. As he shouldn't have. Like, you, this... <laughs> Sorry, for those <laughs> and I you... warned him. I was like, just so you know, I can flip objectives. Like, he was like, objective. oh, yeah, cool. And what you mean by flipping objectives is in you turn it off for them. They can no longer yeah. score points off that objective. Yeah, they can't do if... actions on it. They can't yeah. score secondaries from it. It's For them, it doesn't exist. But you need to have pulled off an action on it yourself. And it's, right. it was usually pretty hard to do on their side of the table. But you did it, you crazy bastard. Um, anything else really cool about the Alpha Legion? Not really. They've got that passive neg one to be hit um, Legion trait, which was actually surprisingly good if you're playing on a table that doesn't have much in the way of dense. You know, you can make Tau's life pretty hard. It can make Guard's life pretty hard when everything's just negatives to hit. And they had a few interesting tricks, like being able to take things off the board, put them back in strat reserves so you can bring them down later, which makes achieving things like, you know, retrieve battlefield data much easier because you can just go, cool, I'm just going to hold my home until I don't need to hold my home anymore, and then I'm yep. going to teleport over to your backline and get my behind enemy lines and retrieve Battlefield yeah. Barter at the same time. So yeah, yeah. They, had, they had some interesting tricks. They were I, a lot of fun to play, but probably not necessarily competitively viable. So yeah, this is the other side of the coin for why I kind of uh, didn't love um, Iron Warriors. Once again, I really enjoy the rules, but the Legion trait... So it was pretty much identified very quickly that uh, Chaos Space Marines had a shooting problem, as in they didn't have a sh good shooting platform. Outside Noise Marines, and then Noise Marines in exclusive, you know, you can only take a certain amount of them before you, your army started losing efficiencies. Uh, and, you know, they only had a couple of weapons that were good most of the time. This, it was the the Blast Masters were pretty much the only weapon that you could take in a Chaos Army that was good against everybody at the time. <laughs> yeah. Apart from that, like, Blitz weren't it, Forge Fiends weren't it, Havocs weren't it. Everyone tried everything. We're just like, well, I get, it's this one gun that I can take one of per five guys. Congrats. It feels pretty awkward. Uh, and then yeah. you, look at, you look at the Alpha Legion trait, and you're like, well, if I'm not playing a shooting, an army that has good shooting, I'm playing a combat army. Therefore... I need to get close, so being 12 inches away to get minus one to hit isn't a thing I'm actually benefiting from that much. Yeah, so, correct. Yeah, there was entire games where you would just run at your opponent and your Legion trait didn't exist for Alpha Legion. That kind of that kind of disappointed me. Yeah. Um, I thought I thought they should have like a full yeah they should have a, they should have had something else anyway. Emperor, well, they could fall back and they could fall back and charge. Yeah, the exactly other part right. of their trait, which yeah. was it's surprisingly handy, especially when you've mm. got like your warp talents tagging everything and preventing them from being able to fall back at all. And then you, fall, you don't yeah. kill them in their turn, you know, which sometimes happens because warp talents damage output's not amazing. You know, you were then free to fall back, charge back in again, tag a whole bunch more stuff. Yeah. That is it very was interesting, true, mate. It was interesting. Um, Emperor's Children, which was, I guess, the hottest out of the gate. Um and it was easy to see why, but give us the story, mate. So the Emperor's Children, like you touched on before, they had the best shooting damage of all of the you know different legions because legionaries themselves, particularly pre-Arcs of Omen, when they didn't have all the free war gear, legionaries were way too expensive to be used as a shooting platform, whereas the Noise Marines, they were way more efficient at that role, and they also did considerable combat damage as well so they had really really good access to high quality objective secured troops that did mm -hmm. good combat and good shooting and that really set that legion apart and then they also had you know 
the um what's called honor the prince which is really really good on those terminators because like mm. we said earlier one of the weaknesses of the terminators was their speed but being able to go cool well, i'm going to advance an auto six which is further than my movement characteristic so i'm going to yeah. move yeah. five then i'm going to advance six and then i'm going to put advance and charge on them and then i'm going to charge six plus d6 instead of 2d6 yep it, it really stretched the uh, the threat range of those Terminators out to a really scary level. Mm. So they did really well with their Terminators and really well with their objective-secured troops, which that combo worked really well. Plus, they have multiple sources of make-your-enemy fight last, which obviously in a combat-heavy game, in a combat-heavy list, is, is a very welcome tool. Absolutely agree. And they, they had some really good uh, strats. Was Excess of Violence... Uh, command phase, if your army is engaged in either wanton destruction or massacre, infantry units from your army, next command phase unit, uh, is, yeah, they go to wanton slaughter. I can't remember which one it is. Was it combat elixirs, plus one weapon skill, plus one strength? That's it, combat elixirs was 2CP. Yeah, they had some good strats. I can't remember which one yeah, it was. Yeah, they had some of the best strats, yeah. They had the 2CP fight last as well, which of course is just busted. Um, but yeah, undeniably, I think they were the hot hotness out of the gate. Where are they at now? They're still pretty hot. They got hit pretty hard with the points increase of Mark of Slanesh. Yep. But at the same time, they kind of got a buff on that because Noise Marines have that built in, already mm. paid for. So, you know, acknowledging that that Mark of Slanesh is worth a lot more, but then simultaneously not making their core troops pay for it, um, you know, it's not necessarily a buff, but it's a, an acknowledgement of the powerful position that they were already in. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, the Empress Children is still absolutely one that you can do serious damage to your opponent with. Agreed. All right, jumping down, we have the next two, which is Red Corsairs. Now, they've got a baby little little two-page spread. Um, they have Advance and Charge, which I think I played uh, I played you when you were running the double bike bricks that were yep. Red Corsairs, yeah? And I was actually pretty impressed yeah. with the Nurgle one. Not so much the was the Corn one or the Slanesh one. Yeah, okay. so that was actually the result of one of my Patreons reached out to me, and he basically said he really, really wants to play Red Corsairs. That's his passion. Mm-hmm. He really wants to make them work, so... I spent a, f- a fair bit of time digging through them for him, and we I did a battle report with yourself. I went mm-hmm. to a tournament, took the Red Corsairs to a tournament to see what I could do with them, um, and came up with a few different list concepts. Their, their main skill was that their bikers were crazy. Yeah. Because obviously they get advanced and charge army-wide, so those bikers are now moving 20 inches and then charging things. And then they have... Uh, they had two really interesting stratagems. One of them, which... Oh, well, I think one of them was tied to a warlord trait. But either way, what there was a way to shoot and then move again with your bikes, which mm-hmm. meant you could you know, tie in your opponent, you could box them in. Bikes have nice big bases, so you could create these big areas of denial. And then the other one was to fight and then move immediately after before your opponent strikes. Yeah. So what I was trying to do was have this big Nurgle unit that's really, really hard to kill. You know, <clears throat> becomes toughness six with Neg one to be wounded with the Black Rune, so really, really hard to kill. And that would be my one that would move up, shoot, mm. and then move again and create a big blockade and just tie your opponent into their deployment zone. And then I had a Mark of Corn one, which would go in, hit something really hard with, you know, it had the black yep. mace, Mark yep. of Corn, real high damage output, and then it would run away. Yep. So you'd basically try to block them in with one whilst hitting them with you the know, other. every turn. You just hit them and then move, and then hit them and then move, and then hit them and then move. And that, that was the sort of game plan. Uh, unfortunately, that Mark of Corn unit didn't hit anywhere near as hard as you would it, expect it to. It really didn't. Um, I think I just used Transhuman, and it did nothing. It bounced, yeah. Um, yeah. which is a bit of a shame. But uh, overall, I think Red Corsairs is one of the unexplored 
uh, chapters, legions. Well, it's not a chapter. Yeah, it's probably it? underexplored in, yeah. in in the grand scheme of things. I think a lot of people they look at it and think, oh, it's only got four, you know, four strats for yeah. a couple of wall of trades, a couple of rugs. So they think it can't be good. But there's actually surprise in those rules. There's a surprising amount of depth. Agreed. Well, I think people, the players who would have played Red Corsairs, just went to Empress Children and never never moved on. Like they yeah. they went and either left the faction or they they because. When you look at just Empress Children gives you the speed in the honor of the prince, like it gives you the, the speed that you're getting from um, Crescent of Bile to some, sorry, um, uh, Red Corsairs to some extent, but then it also helps you be well rounded in by giving you access to noise marines and et cetera, et cetera. Whereas like yeah. Red Corsairs is better, faster across the board, but it's much more linear. You don't have as much of the jank. So I think that's what right. happened. People just uh, would have played Red Corsairs, just went to Empress Children and never really jumped over. But give us a lowdown on Creations of Fabby B. So Creations was the first one that I started playing around with when the Codex mm-hmm. first came out, just because that always fighting on death. I was Busted. like, I, I know that a lot of the top tier players in my area were mm-hmm. combat players. Mm-hmm. So it was a bit of a meta pick in, in a way where I was like, you know what? The, the, the ones that are going to be at those top table games, they do their magic in combat. Yep. So I want to bring a list that is going to be hard for them to crack. And those fighting on death, Things, it just means that they can't reliably charge you and expect to live. So, mm. yeah, Creations of Bible are really good. And they also have that stratagem for advancing charge. So they kind of get to play what the Red you know, Corsair Corsair yeah. game at the same time as playing this plus one movement, plus one strength, and yeah. fighting on death. Was I, just the, I just looked at that and I was like, how could you even imagine picking a different Legion over this? It's <laughs> like, it's so good. Dude, it was one of the best uh, chapter traits. It was one of the best whatevers you want to call it we had ever seen at the time. Because plus yeah. one move and plus one strength was was a, would have been a good enough to be white scars at the time. You know, when white, when yeah, that when that yeah. codex first came out, that was, by itself was good enough to be the white scars trait. And we're like, this is when I looked at the trace. I was like, wow, we've really progressed in this this edition, haven't we? Where this is yeah. now like a pretty good one. <laughs> it's pretty. It's a pretty good example uh, of power creep when that yeah. exists, and people still ended up going for other. Like, correct, correct. Like, that just shows how crazy the power level has gotten. Mm, uh, exactly right. So, uh, Crescent of Bile had uh, its heyday. It was probably the best teams list that you could make for um, Chaos Space Marines until it's nerfed. Uh, when it got nerfed, what changed? So, when it got nerfed, the main thing that they got hit with was that now they only fight on death on a 4+. plus. Yeah. Which I actually put out a video at the time, and I stand by it. It's not as big of a nerf as people think. Um, because the, the, one of the main strengths of the Creations of Bile was their secondary objective as well, mm-hmm. which didn't really get any nerfs. Like, it's still very, very strong, which is basically you just get points for killing things in melee, yeah, which yeah. is what you're doing anyway, right? <laughs> what we're doing anyway, yeah. So in terms of victory points and mission scoring, they didn't get a nerf. And then the only real nerf they got was that they fight back on a 4+, plus. but it's like, well, if you've got a large unit of things, say you've got a unit of 10 possessed, and somebody charges and kills all 10, often mm-hmm. five of them fighting back is probably enough to kill the thing that charged you anyway. Yep. So if, you, if you've got enough damage to kill the thing that charged you anyway, have you really been nerfed? Probably mm, not. Probably not. Um, and then in terms of characters and stuff, one of the problems there became that their characters now needed to roll a four up to fight on death. Correct. It was very binary, right? It was either you fight with the whole character or you don't fight at all. Um, but... People underestimate the psychological impact of mm-hmm. just being able to fight on death on a four plus. It Correct. just meant that people couldn't, they couldn't go in and charge, you know, 
something you know really pathetic into your disco lord to try to steal an objective off you because there was a 50 50 chance that you were just going to fight with that disco I, lord yeah. and kill him you know exactly right I, I i totally agree with you i think there's still a lot of play there that people are just have been uh, it, it took a hit and people just psychologically thought they were ruined and just dropped it like they were hot but yeah, yeah i do think there's some play there mm-hmm. All right, so that is us done with the chapters and the legions or the renegade, whatever the chapters. Um, so let's do a little bit of a ranky rank and see where they all ended up. All right, number one, I'm pretty sure you're going to say Black Legion. <laughs> for sure, Black Legion. I actually think they would be number one for the whole time. It just took people time to realize it. Fair. I mean, I can't really disagree with how things have ended up. I, I personally think Empress Children, because it was the most well-rounded, but still didn't, apart from punching combat, it really didn't lack anything else. Um, like Black Legion, it had the same movement tricks as Black Legion, had more combat tricks than Black Legion, and it had shooting. Like that, And that's why I think Empress Children was one pip higher. Now, undisputably, Black Legion. Who's second and third, though? Who's on the Mount Rushmore? And so we're talking about at the current, like, right the current here, rule set? Or right here, right the- now. Right, right here, right this now. Second, it'd have to be Emperor's Children would be second. Yep. Uh, third probably goes to Word Bearers, I think. Yep. Um, just because there's some crazy stuff you can do with their possessed, and now that you're getting free strat reserves and stuff, yeah. you're able to you know keep things safe a little bit better than previously. So probably Word Bearers. Fair, uh, and then there's just like the rest, right? Because I, I mean, I probably think yeah, I'm and then, warriors, and then you drop several tiers before you get down to the rest. Before you get to the rest, I think I'm warriors, and probably creations of bile and uh, red corsairs sit next, and then it's and then it's really the rest with like alpha legion night lords, unfortunately, um, sitting yep. well well at the bottom. Um, if I forgot any, that pretty much means that we <laughs> that were never heard of anyway. So yep. jumping into the generic stratagems, my dude, which are your go tos, and has this been a good section? for the players. So there, there were some interesting generic stratagems, um, but generally speaking, the, the best power in the stratagems was from the Legion-specific stuff, I reckon. Yeah. Um, there was, you know, some of them, like the um, Demon Forge was pretty handy, like mm-hmm. getting plus one weapon skill and ballistic skill on your um, Demon Engine. Sorry, I'm just trying to pull up the stratagems now so I can... Just scan, scan through it and not yep. uh, get one the, of, the words wrong. Yeah, um, people didn't take many Zinch Sorcerers, despite the Great Sorcerer being a really good, really good spell. Uh, was it Scorn of Sorcery for, yeah, the Corn um, Deny was always a good one if you had one. Easy yeah, done. yeah that, but, that was pretty handy, but that was also very swingy, and that almost exactly never right. worked for me. Yeah, I uh, Veteran the Long it. War, even though it went up to 2 CP, it was still one of those things that, could really turn your damage output up, so that was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting that plus one to wound, getting one CP for plus one to hit on your Terminators or your Chosen, that was really good because Chosen were pretty like solid Absolutely. rock stars for most of the time. But you were right. Uh, well, um, for the know. most part, uh, usually uh, I can like scroll through this section and I find a, a two or three that I've been bad touched by in the past. I can't really find any <laughs> in this section that have really... Yeah, except, actually, no, here's one. Here's one that I bad-touched so many people with. This is probably one of my favourite stratagems in the whole book, Yeah, uh, was excessive cruelty. So that's the one where after somebody falls back from a yep. Slanesh unit, you can consolidate or make a shooting attack with that Slanesh unit. The amount of times that that would win me games that sh- like I mm. shouldn't have been able to win, 
just because I'd go in and I'd charge things, but then with my consolidate moves, I'd make sure that I'm within three inches of several yeah. enemy units. And then they'd go to fall back and I'd be like, yep, cool. Have you finished your fallback move? And they'd be like, yep. And I'm like, cool, two CP. I'm now tagging those two units. Yep. So now they either have to stay in combat with me or if they haven't moved those units yet, they can fall back with them as well. But it means they're not shooting me with any of Correct. that stuff. Correct. So that, that was a really, really good strategy. If you could pull that off effectively, mm. that was game changing. And that was the generic stratagem, so that wasn't Legion locked. Yep. Um, I do, for the most part, I think it's pretty weak, yeah. though. The stratagem section is pretty weak. Yeah. Like, there isn't a build around. There aren't any, like, every turn. I mean, the one you just described is game-winning when you can leverage it, but it's very T's and C's heavy, very terms and conditions heavy. Like, they have to yeah, be falling correct. back with other units about. You have to do it with a unit that is relevant shooting or tagging-wise. Um, yeah. Yeah, there is a lot of T's and C's there. Like, I mean, against an orc army, they're like, do it. <laughs> do it, yeah, man. Exactly. Waste your CP. <laughs> uh, you know, there's a lot of times where that just doesn't work. So I think the strat section kind of sucks. Yeah. yeah it, was a, it was a big stratagem section, and there was only a couple in there that mm. were particularly relevant. I think um, the, I think the, the Legion... internal engine was all right as well. Neg one damage on your demon engines. That, mm. that allowed for some pretty spicy combos, but... That was one of the things that the Iron Warriors lent on with their Lord yeah. Discordance, being able to just go, cool, he's neg one to wound and he's neg one damage and he's got all these different final yeah. of pains. And they exactly. play very similar to those orc um, war boss dudes on those big squig guys, yeah. squig bosses or whatever they're called. Squigosaurs, they play yeah. very similar to that, where they just see this character that does massive amounts of damage and is Wrecking practically ball. unkillable. Yeah. Wrecking ball through people's lives, but it really all, all this really pointed out to me was just uh, how much more power they put in the legion stratagems, so yeah. th than they did in the in the base one. But anyway, which I'm glad they did it that too. way. To be honest, yeah, me too. I'm glad they did it that way. Um, all right, marks of chaos. This has been a sticking point for so many for so long. I would like to say I I'm unhappy that so many of the marks uh, were not worth taking, and that pretty much Slanesh ubiquitously was the one of choice at all times. Yeah, correct. I mean, literally, most of them, I just look at them as something that Abaddon gets. Yeah. it's something that nobody's <laughs> going to pay the points for, but Abaddon correct. has all four of them. Correct. Um, like, I don't think I ever saw Mark of Nurgle taken outside of if you wanted to take one of the relics that was mm. locked to Nurgle. That's the only time you'd put Nurgle on something. Similar with Corn, similar with Zinch. They were basically a tax that you'd have to pay if you wanted one of those specific relics. And then all of a sudden you realize you're paying CP and points for your relics, and you're like, ew, yeah. that's yuck. Which, I mean, to be fair, some of the relics are definitely worth the points and the CP. That's, but that's true. it is still one of those things where it's like everybody else gets amazing relics just for CP, but we had to spend points as well. Mm. It, it actually really bothered me that they never rebalanced these to make them more appealing because, I, I mean, just looking at it right now, like, who cares? Slanesh, 100% yeah. all the time, the best stratagems, the, the best uh, litanies or spells or everything was the best for Marcus Slanesh. And it kind of, it kind of pissed me off. For, and for that reason, yeah. the fact that there's only one of the four worth taking, I think you you can say it for me if you want. You what, that Marcus Slanesh was the best? or Well, the, the sec this section was a bust. Because only one. Oh, the section was yeah. The section was a fail. The, the interesting thought I had on this section was it didn't strike me as appropriate that only core could take these. That is so. True. You look at demon kin, right? You look at possessed, mm. and they are they are possessed by the chaos gods. 
but you are unable <laughs> to dedicate them to the chaos. Gods. But, but then you look at like legionaries who are just yeah, like spiky dudes. marines, uh, yeah. and it's like, oh, by the way, this guy has the blessings of Nurgle, and it's like, yeah. no, he doesn't. That guy does. What yeah, are you look, talking about? Look like, at him; he's got a proboscis. Like you're telling yeah. me, he's, like Nurgle doesn't give any any craps about that dude. Yeah, it's pre- it was pretty yeah, funny. I feel like it should have been the other way around. Uh, but f- at the same time, you want to be able to dedicate your terminators to yeah. you know the marks. So if they made these marks available to everybody then we'd be having a very different conversation i would not be surprised if i sat down with a play tester or one of the design team that you i reckon you would have in the like in, there was a version of this where you could mark up like everything in the book and they were like that's too much like possessed yeah. to just roll everything in the game when you can mark them and so they just took it away this, which this is probably a good um a good point to uh, raise was that I think the internal balance in this codex was probably better than any we've ever seen in the way that you've got things like the, the units that have core gaining access to the marks and having mm. access to a different stratagems, but then the demon kin units being the more innately powerful yeah. data sheets. And then the way that they worked all of that sort of stuff out, it meant that every single unit had its pros and cons. Like you look at Terminators, they were really good, but they couldn't take icons in the unit. Yeah. Whereas Chosen could take, both of them were core, so both of them could take marks, but only the Chosen could take an icon, <laughs> which a- meant that they got the extra buff from the yeah. mark that they could take. So they did a really, really good job of balancing all that stuff out. I, I actually totally agree with that statement. I think they did a great job of uh, of making you feel like you had a bit of give and take at all times. Like you had yeah. to give a bit to get. Where there's been previous codexes, Tyranids, where you just took. You're just like, oh, cool, I can have everything I want. Oh, cool, I can have that too. I can have that too. I uh, can have that as well. There was nothing. There was no give or take. It was just cool, stack it all up. Big house of cards. Uh, all right, on to the relics, mate. Give us the lowdown here. What's the go-tos, and is it a good section? So I think it is a very good section, and I think that the relics is probably the main area where the Chaos Space Ring Codex shines. Mm-hmm. And it was so much fun because there were so many combinations between the relics, the warlord traits, and the stratagems. You could make some truly insane characters from insane buffs that they were able to give out to friendly yep. units to just solo operative beat sticks that were absolutely monstrous. Mm. Uh, the standout, which everybody knows and either loves or hates, is the Black Rune of Damnation. 100%. Um, which, you know, it's got, obviously, it's got the Neg 1 to be wounded. It also has a second ability, and I've been using the Black Rune in every single game since the start of the, since this Codex came out. It was immediately identified as the most broken relic, and you just always had it. But the second point is that if an enemy Psyker within 18 inches of the bearer fails a Psyche test, it suffers perils on any roll of a double. I didn't use that once. Yeah, <laughs> I just always forgot up. that that was a thing. I, because I, the first point is so powerful, it's like you just mm. forget that it also does this other thing. Straight up. Have I played you with my Grey Knights? I feel like I have. <laughs> I swear probably. to God. You probably uh, you didn't use that on me. I for, yeah. totally forgot it had that. Yeah, I always uh, forget that it had that. And then it became a bit of a meme where mm. after every game I would realize, but then I'd start the next game and forget almost immediately. Well, that's the third dot point of the of the Black Rune, um, whereas you, uh, you, you will yeah. forget most of these rules yeah. every second exactly. game. Uh, and it's just one of, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, we all forget rules. Nobody pays any attention when you forget one like this that actually happens in your advantage. But yeah. if you forget one that is a disadvantage, then you get break across the coals but absolutely yeah this, this was a perfect example of a rule that i was just constantly forgetting and never got the full benefit from this relic mm. that i otherwise would have got 
Some of the other really good ones, the Gorged of Hate was really good. That made your characters really tough, really hard to deal with. Some of the weapons, the, the, this codex is one of the few that have weapon relics that are actually yeah, worth taking. actually good, yeah. And these are the ones that often were tied to your marks of chaos. So like Golax the Decayed, having a relic where you can basically, every time you hit, you just automatically wound and do, doing mortal wounds, automatically doing mortal wounds when you combine it with other things. Like you get this de- Nurgle Demon Prince just doing absolutely godly amounts of damage. Yeah, there are, funnily enough, you say that. I mean, the Black Mace <clears throat> was, has been a little bit of a meme at times, but it's it's legitimately a respectable stat line in, in many ways, and there are quite a few others of that ilk in here. Uh, overall, I totally agree with you. I, I, I mean, it, dude, even I've even seen intoxicating elixir be used against me. Is it was it Liber Hereticus as well? Um, yeah, I always took Liber Hereticus because yeah. that gave you an extra power and allowed you to cast three powers. Crazy, crazy. Just be like, this guy is Magnus. <laughs> you may, yeah. doesn't, may not look like it, but he uh, in fact is. Uh, but yeah, yeah I, overall, I think the Relics was a phenomenal, possibly the best section in the book. But there are still yeah. a couple of good ones to come. Next up is the Dark Hereticus Discipline, which you have your there's the three god powers, where only one of them yeah. was good. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's fair. I mean, I did use the... Um, uh, Putrid Miasma was interesting, so you could basically you could um, target a friendly unit and make them neg one to be hit, and mm-hmm. that was didn't matter what phase you were in, didn't matter how close you were. So when you're taking that red Corsair's biker unit, yeah. you've got the black rune on it, making it neg one to be wounded. You cast this psychic power on it, and now it's neg one to be hit as well. Yeah, that made them pretty spicy. Um, uh, Skeins of Fate. I don't even. I don't think I've ever even read that. To be honest, on a seven, especially though, is... especially in the era of Armor of Contempt, that was just something that you wouldn't even look at. Correct. Yeah, absolutely correct. Uh, of course, you do still have Prescience, still have Death Hex in there, still have some good stuff. Warp times in there as well. Double move, but of course. Um... And you can't declare charges off it anymore. Uh, but oh, honestly, the life lagnesis was legitimately the buy-in. The five up feel no pain yeah. was just too freaking good. A hundred percent. I also liked on the occasion I would run a sorcerer who would mainly be there for doing my warp ritual. But yeah. the powers that I would give him would be warp time, and I actually gave him diabolical strength. Just because if you cast diabolical strength on Abaddon and give him plus two to his strengths Ooh. and attacks, he becomes like absolutely next level games where i'd throw him into like two night armages and he would just reliably kill both of them through one of them through transhuman through the you know like through all their defensive buffs he would just go in and just go cool i've got eight attacks on my profile plus d3 for my warlord trait plus two from this so i'm going to end up with like 15 attacks and i'm just going to put seven into this guy seven into that guy and delete them both yeah yeah i love that That i love it so much that was a lot of fun Um, uh, overall, I think it's a very good power. Uh, sorry, a very good tree. Unfortunately, the best one is locked to Slanesh. Another reason why Slanesh was ubiquitously the mark of no choice, because yeah. uh, really yeah, every other correct. choice was dead in the water. Um, all right, onto the Malefic Discipline, which is the other side of this. And this was this was only for the Master Possession, yeah? Correct. So give correct. us, the, give us the, lowdown, yeah. the most powerful. This was the, the, this was uh, there were lists where I was running two. Master Possessions, mm. one of them with the Lever Hereticus, just so that I could have five powers from this tree. Yeah. Because they're so good. Like, particularly if you're running a um, Word Bearers army and you've got lots of Possessed, you've got lots of, you know, Demon Engines, those sorts of things. Because you've got, like, obviously you've got Warp Marked is really, really powerful, which is just plus one to your wound rolls. Or you mm-hmm. select an enemy target and you get plus one wound against it. That's really, really powerful, particularly because you could stack it 
yeah. veteran for the long war. Now you're getting plus two to your wound rolls. So now you're possessed to just bringing knights down. They just they yeah. don't care. Yeah. They they go through chaos terminators because they're like, cool. You're neg one to wound. Well, I'm plus two to wound against yeah. you, and I'm you know going in with high strength. So I'm probably still wounding those terminators on twos and just killing them. Agreed. And of course, then of course, pact of flesh was pre- pact of flesh. I think cursed earth with the ubiquitous two. Um, that I always saw, that I always was always afraid of. Of course, Pact of Flesh is the regen power. Essentially, uh, your master possession is a uh, apothecary on a on a five pl- on a freaking five plus. I, it always boggled my brain that it was a five to cast this when he's got the plus when he's you know shanks somebody for the plus to cast as well. And then of course, yeah. Curse Earth, given the four invulnerable save to Demon Engine and Demonkin models, wasn't always relevant in every matchup. But I think Word Bearers was the one where that really shined. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then you got possession, which was a witchfire. This was the one that you'd never take. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was just a, it was just a, a different way of smiting. Mm. Uh, infernal power that was interesting as well, but not really the the um, the one to write home about. The main one that I was using to write home about was mutated invigoration. Oh, so good! Which um, was allows you to get your terminators up to toughness five, or mm-hmm. if you're running red courses, you can get your bikers up to toughness six. So that was really spicy. Uh, and also, if you happen to be word bearers, you could add strength and toughness, and toughness to the models. And then all of a sudden, those possessed are going in with strength six and plus two to wound. There's pretty much nothing in the game that that doesn't wound on a two plus. Agreed. It's pretty nice. It is. It is one. Of, I think it's one of the best disciplines in the game. The malefic discipline. Yes, the fact it's so good. It's oh man. It's just buffs on buffs on buffs on buffs on regening on buffs again. Very 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 powerful. Possibly, if the relic section isn't the best thing in the in the book, the malefic discipline is the best thing in the book. I believe. Um, yeah. The only con- there might be a contender coming up next in the prayers to the dark gods. This is your litanies for your dark apostles or you know your chaplain equivalents give us the tldr here so there were some interesting ones in here so you've got your four god specific ones and this mm-hmm. is one where the god specific ones are actually kind of interesting um so you've got the nurgle one gives you plus one toughness characteristic to models in the friendly unit yeah which actually means that you could take those uh red corsairs nurgle bikes and you could make them up to toughness seven with neg one to be wounded it's big and neg one to be hit yeah. which is just almost unkillable to anything outside of dedicated high damage output units. Uh, then you had Blissful Devotion, the Marcus Lamesh giving you mm-hmm. advance and charge, which is really spicy as well. Uh, and then let's not talk about Zinch or Corn. Yeah, never heard of them. Uh, but the main <laughs> one that everybody knows and everybody hates is Illusory Supplication, 100%. which was trans hitman. You can't unmodified hit rolls of one, two or three automatically fail mm-hmm. and you can't re-roll hit rolls against this unit. Yep. Now, I was predicting this to get nerfed in the balance data slate to just select one of those two things because just just selecting one of those two would be reasonable. But getting both was just like, I felt like I was cheating. I wanted them to split them. I wanted them, my, my call was like, split them up. They should not They should not be the same thing. You should have yeah. a, a six and maybe just pseudo, a pseudo at a seven. So your Dark Apostle can take these two if they want. They can't take anything else. And then you can fail one yeah. of them, you know? Yeah. Um, because having them both on the same thing was dumb and still is dumb uh, to me. It's so busted, man. Yep, but I'm happy that it's stuck around. Me too. Me too. <laughs> I'm to continue playing with it. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely um, there were some other interesting ones in there as well, like 
Uh, if you took word bearers, you could take omen of potency. Oh man! Which added three to the attacks characteristic of the priest. Got the smash chappy, uh, and then you could combo that with with warlord traits and relics. Yeah. To go cool. He's got an extra three attacks. He's re-rolling hits and wounds. Every wound he does is a mortal wound. Every six to wound that he does mm-hmm. is another mortal wound on top of that. You could make this guy an absolute maniac. Yeah, I love that dude. He was such a beater, really proud. And he's you know he's just walking around on foot. It's not like he gets to go on a on a bike or anything or a type of jump pack. So it's just lol. You let me charge you with my beater. You get what you get. Smash. <laughs> yeah, it was really cool. Uh, once again, though, like just the fact that the slanesh key keyword one is the best or the second best, depending on on your build just still annoyed me. Did they not look back on the on the book and just be like, maybe we don't give Slanesh the best of best option at every at every stage, you know? Maybe we don't. Cuz in to uh, against your point of internal balance, that's one of the, my biggest issues with internal balance. That, yeah, uh, well, I, I think the problem they've got there is that if you look at the different gods and what they do, it kind of they they kind of can't give the other ones good ones because like corn is like oh he does more damage in combat yeah yeah like, that's never really the thing that swings games you know well, and Nurgle it, it's like oh he's a bit tougher but that's rarely the thing that swings games what swings games is things that add to your mobility mm-hmm. and and that's or things well, that are tricky and those things are almost always tied to slanesh well narratively perfectly said man in the in the game of ninth edition where everything kills everything all you need to be is first and yeah. guess what slanesh does for you lets you be first exactly. either, either fighting first or you're making them fighting last or you're charging them easier or yeah exactly right um or it's or it gives you five up, feel no pain because you're one of the few armies in the game that can make one unit, you know, really hard to kill. And yeah, it's, Nurgle doesn't help you do it. Freaking Slanesh helps. It's it's so annoying. That that, yeah. that bothers me. Even Zinch. Yeah, really. uh, all right. Next up, we have the Warlord traits, mate. How do you feel about these? There was a couple in here that were actually um, better than the Legion specific ones, which was really interesting. So Flames of Spite was a, a real standout, which is basically just you get to reroll wound rolls and every six to wound does a mortal in addition. Mm-hmm. So this could take almost any character and just make them an actual serious threat to your opponent just because of that mortal wound output. Mm. Um, the other really good one was Hatred Incarnate, which doesn't sound amazing when you read it, which is basically just that you add one to the strength and attacks characteristic of the Warlord and yep. you can reroll your hit rolls. So it's like, okay, cool. He gets a little bit stronger. But when you have one of the relics was that every hit automatically wounds. So when you go, okay, I'm giving myself additional attacks and I'm re-rolling my hit rolls and then I'm just all of these things are automatically wounding, that become really interesting. Mm. Yeah, agreed. So those two were good. The rest of them were kind of meh. Yeah, I I didn't love that most of these were just making your characters that are pretty good in combat already, just a little bit better. I mean, you do have yeah. all the wild combos and stuff, and I do love that rabbit hole you can go down if you want to, but there is. I wish there was a little bit more here to just be a gen, gen, general upping of the power of an army. Um, yeah. I mean, Lord of Terror, <laughs> if only the morale phase mattered, right? And then Eternal yeah. Vendetta is the only other aura, which just is like working with your wontons and crap, yeah? No, no, that was the one that allowed you... This is the one that Abaddon had, where basically friendly Legion units within That's six right. inches of the Warlord, you select a, a start of the battle round, the first battle round, you select an enemy unit, and units within range of him get re-rolled to wound against it, which this one's really interesting in, like, for example, Word Bearers. If you go, cool, I'm going to take Eternal Vendetta, I'm going to pick an enemy unit, mm. and now 
word bearers get reroll hits against yep. everything. And now we're also getting reroll wounds against that one particular target. It turns them up to the next yeah. level. So Eternal Pendetta was was interesting in some builds. So it's like old grudges, I guess, for yeah. um for guard. It's old grudges, yeah. Yeah, fair. Um, overall, I wasn't in love with... I don't love the Warlord traits. I think the Legion Warlord traits generally are the better takeover of these ones. But I do love yes. the spicy combos, right? It's a bit of fun. Yeah. All right, on to the secondaries, mate. Where are they at? Where were they at when they first came out? And where are they at now? So when they first came out, they were a thoroughly disappointing set of secondaries. There was only Agreed. really two that were worth a look in, one of them being the creations of Bile with their, you know, just kill things, get points. Mm-hmm. That was pretty good. And then the other one that was worth a look in was the um, uh, Mental Blank Word Bearers, sorry. Yeah. Um, you know, just do an action on the center of the objective. One of the things Chaos Space Marines do almost better than any other army is hold and control that central objective. So mm-hmm. being able to go, cool, well, I'm here anyway, might as well be doing an action yeah. and scoring three points. That was pretty good. But outside of that, there was just way too many, um, like, criteria that you needed to meet in order mm-hmm. to get those victory points. Mate, and and as a result, they all, yeah, t- too many T's and C's. <laughs> Yeah, um, the, the generic the generic secondaries on release were trash. Like, they're, yeah. they're trash. Um, and then they, they got a bit of a blow-up in Arcs of Omen. Arcs of awesome. Omen fixed some stuff, but they still was somewhat lacking, in my opinion. Mm. I so, agree. Emperor's Children got a little bit better, um, but still, in my experience, they were, it wasn't enough. Um, and then, you know, um, Alpha Legions 1 got a little bit easier, but still not quite enough. Mm. Yeah, it, it, it's more or less stayed in a very similar position. Agreed. I, I still don't think they're the buy-in. I think you've just got better options elsewhere. You're a very good Warp yeah. Ritual gamer. You're a very good Banners gamer. You're a pretty good yeah. uh, RBD and or uh, Behind Enemy Lines gamer because you always want to be kind of pushing on your opponent because you're a melee yeah. army. So I feel like there's just there's very little reason to the, get um, there, use these. The play, st- the play style that I ended up landing on, which worked really well for Chaos Space Marines, was... You have to accept that you're not going to map. You're not going to get 45 points worth of secondaries. You're just not. It's big, right? Mm. But there's every chance you're going to equal out your opponent on primary. So your game plan was around making sure that they also didn't get a 45 point secondary. Yeah. So you take units in your army that would not give up secondary points. Try to make mm-hmm. it as hard as possible for them to get points off you. And then at the table, you would identify one of their secondaries that they've taken and just go, I'm going to mess with just that one. Just that you one. Know? So yeah. for example, you go into a demons player and they're taking reality rebels and you're like, okay, they think they're going to get a 15 off this, but I'm just going to spend the first two, maybe even three turns, just deleting all of their chaff, mm-hmm. all of their small units, all of their fast units. And I'm just going to stop them from getting that 15. Meanwhile, we're having this fight in the center that I have an advantage in. So yep. It's going to be hard for them to beat me on primary, and I'm going to actively mess with their secondaries as best I can. And then you'd end up in situations where you'd win your game. You might get an 80-point win, but they get a 75-point loss. And you're like, cool, I won, but it wasn't a big game. Whereas other factions, they tended to go for those big 100-point wins. They were very Mm. hard to pull off with CSM. Yeah, I think we identified that. I play, played you with my Dark Angels a couple of times. I was playing mostly Ravenwing. I was like, well, I ungabunga myself to 45 on on the secondaries pretty yeah. damn quick. And so you were like, well, I guess I just have to I have to figure out how to stall one of these out. And you did. Like, yeah. it, what you just said is just great tip for anybody playing the competitive game. Like, I ID yeah. one, one secondary yeah. you can harm and giving up on the others, and then 
being realistic about your aim. Uh, yeah, because I think a lot of people, they, they would play Chaos Beta Rinse and they'd stretch themselves too thin. Mm. They would try it really hard to make sure that they're controlling all primary all the time. And it's like, well, you don't need to. In order to get your 45 primary, you can get that in three turns if you get three twelves, and then you've got a decent sub-primary yeah. um, or tertiary objective. Like, So you can spend two turns just going, cool, I'm just going to let this guy... Fan, he's going to fan out onto all the objectives because he thinks that's his win condition. And then yep. I'm going to delete a whole bunch of his stuff to make it really hard for him to score his secondary objectives. And then I'm going to push back onto the primary in the later turns of the game. Or you could do the inverse of this. You know, you could go, I'm going to go really hard yeah. in the first turn of the game, sacrifice my ability to score primary late game. Mm-hmm. Um, and this would often depend on whether or not you got the first turn or not. If you got first turn, you'd go, cool, I'm going to go hard early in the game. But if you've got second turn, you'd be like, cool, I'm going to play KG and pick up those primary points later. And then use Focus Fire to try and interrupt their secondaries. Love it. Yeah, I think I think it's a great advice, even over and above this Chaos Space Marines. All right, next up, we have the data sheets and data sheet abilities. And pretty much, you know, we've got Demon Engine here, Ubiquitous, we've got Malicious Volleys, Warp Strike, who cares? What we're going to talk about is Let the Galaxy Burn. Is this the one that also gives you more hits with your Flamers, or is this just the one-dons? It is. So this one gives you your plus two to all your flame weapons, plus two shots, and then also your wanton destruction, wanton massacre, and wanton slaughter. Can we just all agree that this is just... Well, I hopefully, we are, I don't, I'm pretty sure this is going away in, in the next edition, so I'm happy to say uh, this was trash. <laughs> it was one of the worst named rules in the history of the game. Uh, so trash. I remember how- when I first when I first read it, I was like, "Do I really have to play Chaos Space Marines for the next six months? <laughs> like, I don't want to have to do this. I don't want to have to do this." Anyway, give us the lowdown on this rule. Let's not say wanton again for the rest of the rest of the yeah. show. Give us the lowdown yeah. uh, on I, these I, rules. I just them doctrines the whole time. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, the um, there's a few interesting takeaways though. Like obviously, the plus two hits on your flamers is pretty interesting. Mm. Um, but the, the fact that their their layout was slightly different than the Space Marines, where in the first turn you got it on heavy and rapid-fire mm. weapons, yep. then on the second turn you got it on rapid-fire and assault, and then the third turn onwards was assault and melee, it really meant that assault weapons in the Chaos Space Marine arsenal were very, very good, because they basically yeah. got those exploding sixes all game long, except for the first turn. But often you weren't in range in the first Correct. turn anyway, so yeah. it really did just feel like you always had it. Yeah, I, I think that's a big point. I really wish that they gave, in the Arcs of Omen thing, they gave you the ability to stay in one that you wanted to. Like, you could go to Massacre and stay in Massacre. I do I admit that it wouldn't have mattered. I think you always want to go to Slaughter as a Chaos Space Marine player, but it would have been nice for them to have the same option. So, but do you th- has this been a good rule? Because it's, it's exploding sixes, yeah. It's just all of this yeah, exploding yeah. sixes on, yeah. with various on various guns and, and weapons throughout the game. Has Correct. this been a good rule? Yeah, yeah. I, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, it coming from the old Chaos Space Ring book where you got it in melee all game long, and mm-hmm. now it's like you don't get it in melee all game long, but you do get it on your guns. Yep. It was a bit jarring to me because I was always playing primarily, you know, sort of combat themed fighting so having it in the shooting phase was something that took me a little bit to wrap my head around um but it did facilitate some pretty serious damage output on things like those terminators when you rapid fire yeah. from turn one and you're exploding sixes and you're yeah. these huge amounts of damage and then there was stratagem so you could get the ap on them if you wanted to so 
yeah, that was. I think it was a pretty good rule. I think it played been, yeah, well. I think it's been a pretty good rule overall. Uh, yeah, just so, shit, man. Awful, awful name. Anyway, jumping into some of the data sheets. Of course, we've already talked about Abby, who is easily the best. I mean, even when people were playing Word Bearers and uh, Emperor's Children, where you only get like two thirds of your bat in the spoiler, he was still in every list, just about. Yeah, hundred percent. And then they and then they thought that they fixed him by putting him up fifty points, and I was like, oh, that's cute. Lol. Like, yeah, <laughs> I paid four hundred <laughs> points for him. Like, he was especially in the Black Legion. He was just insane. It was like. There's so many different ways they could have fixed him, and they just chose the stupidest one. I just adore that they that they overestimated the depth of the other data sheets so much that they thought yeah. there was another option. And it was just like, there ain't nothing, baby. It's Abby or Bust. That's it. That's all we yeah. got. I'm, I'm there were at some, some interesting builds. I saw some interesting early in the piece creations of bile builds that just yep. had like three Disco Lords three discos, and then one yeah. Viper. Yep. Um, I mean, I still think... Abby, in a creations of bile list, Abby doesn't fight on death. If Abby kills things, that hurts your secondary objective. So there was some interesting stuff there, but yeah. Yeah, I agree. And look, um, Chaos Space Marines is pretty much the home of the great models with crap rules. Like, I mean, Harkin World Claimer. Who is he? What does he do? We'll never know because he's never going to have a data sheet worth reading. Huron Blackheart. Oh, my absolute bay. I love you so much. But, you know, and this tale goes on. Um, Yeah, yeah, true. The, the the Demon Prince and the Disco Lord were two that you'd see pretty regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd never see Fabius Bile. You'd never see Cypher. Um, you'll never see any version of the Chaos Lord. Yeah. Like, you just, why? Yeah, why? When the, when the, when the, like, the Master Possession hits just as hard, like, you mm-hmm. just go, cool, I'll just take that. Um, yeah. I mean, it's pretty much been Abbey, Apostle, pos- Possession, uh, sorry, uh, Dark Apostle Master Possession, and then whatever other crap you want. That, that's pretty, but those yeah, have been correct. your three lock-ins almost. Yeah, and then that third one was either a Demon Prince if you were playing something like Word Bearers, or you know, or it'd be a Disco Lord if you were running Iron Warriors, or it'd be a Sorcerer in Terminator in, Armor if you were running Black Legion. In your case, exactly right. It's been the Sorcerer in Terminator Armor. Um, there are a lot of really cool things in this book that I have not seen used yet. I have not seen a Dark Commune on the table, which essentially is like a, a Renegade Guard Command Squad. Uh, essentially, and I am still a phenomenally big fan of accursed cultists, and I'm waiting for somebody to just like slap down, you know, freaking eighty. Yeah, the accursed cultists, cultists are really good. They they actually have really interesting rules, they're and sick. I think there's 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 a legitimate argument for running them. Uh, the only reason that I never got around to them is because I think they are hideous models. I think they're gorgeous. I actually, I actually just. I don't want to look at them. I don't want to. I don't want to paint them. I don't want to sit there for hours touching this model while I paint it. Doesn't like, that just mean it's hideous. a good chaos model, though? Doesn't that mean like they the brief? <laughs> but there's a reason I play corn, right? I like my demons to be like big macho, mm. like humanoid looking. I don't. I don't want to see something with tentacles coming out of it. Like yuck. <laughs> <laughs> yuck. I love that. Yeah, um, they're yucky. One that you had a lot, so of course we could talk about the ones that everyone knows is good. We've got Terminators, we've got Possessed. But one of the little sneaky bastards that you ran for a long time was a Master of Executions. Yeah, and, yeah, they had some interesting play. Yeah, so he was the guy you could take to the moon with the Wall of Traits and Relics, yeah? Yeah, so he was even better in the previous Codex, um, but there was some stuff you could do with this guy. I actually did a, um, a little video series on my channel where I basically went through all of the top builds that you could make. And there was a master of executions that could bring down a knight with relative ease. 
That's nuts. Um, and that was just through a combination of mortal wounds, him being able to reroll hits, reroll wounds, sixes to hit doing mortal wounds, mm. wounds doing mortal wounds, and additional mortal wounds. Like, you could just, this guy could go insane. Yeah. And then if you stack all the powers and stuff on top of him, and you could make him an absolute monster. Yeah, I'm, but, I'm a fan. I think he's cute. I also just liked him because he was a 65-point character. Um, and one of the things that I do, and this sort of ties into what we were saying earlier about secondaries, is if you take four characters, often your opponent's going to be baited into taking assassinate. Yep. And what you can do is you can you can plug a couple of master of possession, uh, master of executions into your list, right? And they're a sixty-five point character, so they're not a big investment. And then your opponent goes, oh, "I'm going to take assassinate," and then you go, "Cool, I'm going to put those two master of executions in strategic reserves mm-hmm. and never let you have them." And now your opponent has picked a really bad secondary because you're going to keep them away from them the whole game. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to have the rest of your characters protected by Terminators that they're never going to touch. And your opponent's going to score you know, next That's to nothing the, yeah. on that it's, secondary. Yeah, you pay 130 points for two of them to juke your opponent into taking a bad secondary. Absolute value. Yeah. And then uh, if your opponent doesn't take that secondary, if your opponent sees that trick coming and they go, oh, I'm not going to fall for that. I'm, I'm not taking assassinate. Well, now you've got these two 65-point units that uh, punch way above their weight. Dude, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, it's kind of a win-win. I, so some issues I have with the data sheets is that the only the only section of this book that actually exists is the elite section. Because <laughs> every good data sheet, every actual data sheet is in the elite section. Termies, yeah, Arthur Norman was very good to us. <laughs> Termies possessed. Uh, cho- when you first came out, Chosen were extremely good. Um, you yep. yourself, you take Hellbrutes. Uh, um uh, do decimators the decimators elites? Yes, decimators, decimators are, elites. are in there as well. Noise marines are in there as well. It's it's kind of cranked how just like every good option is in the elite slot. Uh, I wish there were some good options in the heavy support slot because I mean the raptors are in, are in far same as venom crawlers. I rate both of those options as okay. Bikers as well if you go on down that route. But the heavy support options is just a wasteland. There's there's nothing there. Yeah, it really is. Like some people were taking obliterators and doing okay with them. Particularly if they were in Black Legion and you could resurrect them, then they actually became like because they're expensive models. So being able to resurrect an expensive model and add it back into your arsenal was something that you know was was quite good. Mm. Um, but yeah, I 100% agree. The, the one thing that uh, was also I think overlooked, and I only really started playing around with this when the World Leaders Codex came out, and it was primarily from the meme value was the land the land raider, Chaos yeah. land raider, yeah, being toughness nine. With las cannons that are D six plus two damage, it's actually terrifying. Yeah, I, I will so give I a, think a yeah. I will give a shout out. Though. I will give a shout out to the Corn Lord of Skulls, who I do think has got a good data sheet. I think that data sheet is one of the best in the book. It's just such a big fatty model to use on our modern tables that it just yeah. Yeah, it, it's either OP yeah. or gutter trash for its points. His problem was that he only had the 10-inch move, and as soon as you start putting damage on him, he slows yep. right down. Yep. So, yep. And he does have some decent guns, but the majority of his damage is coming from melee. So uh, I think he actually got outclassed by the Brass Scorpion yep. because the Brass Scorpion had a uh, 12-inch move, I believe, um, and it also charge. had a 3d6 charge, mm. exactly. Yeah. So if you make that a red corsair and he's able to advance and charge, Ooh. he's ju- he's similar to the Lord of Skulls, but he's just way faster. Agreed, dude. On that note, that brings us to the end of the review portion of this of this book. Give us the uh, the lowdown on where you think Chaos Space Marines are at competitively right now. 
I think uh, if you take one of the, you know, the Black Legion build, maybe the Word Bearers or the Emperor's Children build, they're very good. They've mm. got the capacity to win GTs if you play it well, but they're probably one of the least forgiving armies in the game. You make one misstep, one mistake, one mm-hmm. bad roll, mm-hmm. and your entire game plan can come crumbling down around you. So overall, I think they're, they're definitely not a beginner's army, and they're definitely not... Um, the, you know, the most consistent army in the game, but they definitely have the capacity to do it. Yeah, I totally agree with that statement. They, when you've got a thousand points wrapped up in, in one thing, and unfortunately the best thing in the book is still the Terminator archetype, I believe. I've yet to see an MSU archetype that holds up by the current going rate, um, because most MSU armies need to need to be able to shoot and fight. An MSU pure melee army, well, we've seen how Harlequins are, right? And Harlequins still shoot better yeah. than you guys do, unfortunately. Uh, quite a bit better, actually. Uh, but, yeah, like, MSU melee just ain't kind of where it's at, unfortunately. Um, so, and of course, that MSU same, that same MSU melee build, you know, just play well, just play well, dude. Just, just, just get out yeah, glass there again. Um, so I, I try and figure out what they have that other people don't, and still, it's a Termi Brick. With the, with the Deathwing Terminators going away as, uh, as well, you now get to stretch people in a way that they don't think they can get, be stretched. People aren't expecting those Death Star-like interactions anymore, and you can just be like, lol, mine was kind of better at a bunch of stuff anyway. It's faster, it's kind of more durable against certain things, and it actually shoots worth a damn. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with all of that. All right, mate. Um, so where do, you, where do you think they are competitively, like in the tier list, if you put them into the S2, you know, S to D tier? They're probably, uh, you know, a B plus or an, an A. Depends. Like, they're definitely not S. Like, they, they, they definitely can't hang with your Dune Steeler cults mm-hmm. and your, you know, various other factions like that that are doing those levels of damage. They And they also have a few matchups that are just really hard for them. Mm-hmm. Like the guard matchup. If, if the guard player plays it well, it's practically unwinnable. So I think if you're going to be taking Chaos Space Marines competitively, you've kind of got to pray for a little bit of luck in the pairings yeah. Yeah. part of the, the game. Like, if you go to a tournament and you manage to just not verse guard and not verse a well-optimized Gene Steel cult list, you know, then you're in with a shot. But... If you round one get paired into Gene Steel Cult and then round two get paired into Guard, well, yeah. the bottom table, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> like, bad, bad news bears. And, t- you know, when yeah. two of those, well, Guard is just making up a huge percentage of factions, yeah. you know, of factions yeah. in representation at the moment. So dodging them is just a really hard task. Although, you know, jump over to Dean's patron and maybe you will you can go into a bit of a deep dive on, on lists that can hang with Guard. Because personally, yeah, like, that Red Corsair's bike build, where you just be like, well, I at least I can coin flip you. If I go first, I can wrap and trap all your tanks. That could at least be some kind of interplay. Cause that's just right yeah, now. I mean, I've, yeah. got a, I've got a pretty good uh, win rate into guard. Uh, and that's just because I find, like you said, the guard representation is so high that you've got a lot of players that are not top tier competitive players that are playing the guard. I oh, would call them. So as a guard player, play we call them somebody who's not, Oh, you got a name for them, do you? We, we call them treadheads, and they rock up just because they like their tanks and like to go the younger oh, bunger, yeah. shoot the shoot the big gun, yeah. feel good, get dopamine kind of guy. Yeah. Place. So you can be you can be treadheads with the Black Legion or the Emperor's Children, you know, relatively easily. Yeah, um, because as soon as they make one mistake, you can. That's the thing is like the Black the the Chaos Space Marines is very unforgiving. If you make a mistake, then you're gonna struggle. But it's also very punishing. If your mm. opponent makes a mistake, you can really like bend them over over it. So, um, 
which is something that I've found with the tread heads, as you call them, um, where you know they'll make one mistake and I'll be like, okay, cool, I actually have a vector of attack here and there's not much you can do to stop me at this point because you yeah. didn't put up your screen, screens correctly or you didn't put up your priorities, then, mm-hmm. yeah. Fan, freaking fantastic, mate. On that note, we will wrap this up. Please let people know where they can catch you if they want to tune into some beautiful Chaos Space Marines, World Eaters, etc. Goodness? So, yeah, so over on YouTube, I've got a channel blog for the Blood God, B-L-O-G for the Blood God. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we do battle reports over there. We do tactics stuff. We do news reviews. We do summaries. We do all kinds of different um, content over there. Yep. And, uh, yeah, if you want to join, I look forward to having a chat with you over there. Hope to, hope to catch you there myself. I am uh, a member of Dean's lovely Patreon also. So, yeah, jump over, tune in, and see you over, over on part two, which we have already recorded at the time of doing this. But, you know, let let the magic of post-production take you on a mystical journey over to our patrons, and uh, we'll see you there. Thank you again, Dean, for joining us. Enjoy the rest of your day, mate. All right, awesome. Thanks for having me on, man. Thank you for listening to Art of War Down Under. A content review podcast for Warhammer 40K. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Produced by Seamus Ronan. Enjoyed the show? Want your lists reviewed and the content you heard put into practice? Sign up to our Patreon and connect with us online or on Facebook. Just search for Art of War Down Under. Signing out from tomorrow.